Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. text this evening, of course, we've spent several services in this text, and we've been looking at this 68th Psalm, Psalm 68, and uh, we think about this passage of Scripture, and there's so much that we could say, uh, so many things that we could bring out. I thought about as we read the text this evening about that uh, wonderful passage in verse number 18, no doubt a prophetic passage about uh, what was going to happen in the uh, the ministry of our Lord in verse number 18 where the Bible says, Thou hast ascended on high, and no doubt the Lord did that, amen. And thou hast led captivity captive, thou hast received gifts for men, uh, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. And we do see that the Lord fulfilled that in Bible prophecy, and you could even take this and preach Bible prophecy. You could take this passage and just, just go many different ways with it. Uh, but as we have spent the time looking these last uh, several weeks, these last several services, I was amazed uh, in the study when the Lord uh, began to deal with me about this, this, passage of, this passage of Scripture here, and in particular the 35 verses that make up this psalm. I was amazed at how it gave us instruction and direction uh, about this time that we're dealing with, this pandemic, uh, if you will, this uh, time uh, where we are uh, dealing with a uh, new, new word, uh, coronavirus, amen, uh, into uh, the vocabulary of Americans and, and uh, folks worldwide. And in this passage of Scripture, we have been looking and using what is mentioned here in this Psalm of David, according to the superscription here, it is a Psalm of David written to uh, and addressed to, given to the chief musician to be a Psalm and a Song of David. Here we find the David, that sweet psalmist of Israel, penning these words and talking about the enemies, praying about the enemies uh, that David was going to face. And he said in verse number one and two, uh, he said, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melted before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. In verse number one and two, and really even number verse number three as well, we have uh, began to see what we're calling the Christians look at the coronavirus in verse number one through three in this prayer uh, that is uh, requested. And that was the first point, amen. And uh, I, I believe that uh, when I preach, the, some of the times the way I preach, the outline gets lost, amen. And uh, so uh, I want you to know, uh, if you're taking notes tonight, that was number one, amen, uh, the prayer that is requested. And then we began looking at number two, and that begins, uh, that begins in verse number seven through uh, verse uh, number uh, 18, really. Uh, we see that there is not only the, the prayer that is requested, but then number two, there's the past that is revealed. And uh, we've been looking at that. And uh, really, uh, we've spent the last several services just on two thoughts underneath that heading, and that is, number one, that this past that is revealed is a past of power. 
We see that in verse 7, verse 14, verse 21, and verse 33 through 35. And then we see that it was a past of provision. The Bible teaches us in verse number 9, verse number 10, verse number 12, and verse number 19 that this is a past of provision. And we saw the first aspect of that and how it leads us to a Christian's look at the coronavirus, if you will, uh, that prayer that was requested, verse number one, uses the word enemies and talks about enemies, amen. And uh, the, our president has uh, been very famous now for calling this virus the invisible enemy here in the United States of America, really around the world. Right. Uh, but we use that term, and as I studied that, uh, I noticed that word, and I thought about what an enemy this is, and how this verse says that God uh, has been known in the past, and David knew him to be a God that could defeat our enemies. Amen. Amen. And so there's no reason to fear tonight. Amen. Amen. And uh, we see that also not only in the that prayer that was uh, that prayer that was requested. But we see also in this past that is revealed, uh, the, the past of power tells us that God has the power to deal with this virus. Amen. Amen. The past of provision deals, uh, tells us that God has the ability to provide for us through this virus. Amen. Amen. And people are worried about their health and people are worried about their finances. Amen. If God is God that in the past has proven himself to provide a plentiful rain, for God's people in the wilderness and God is the one that the Bible says in this text is the one who daily loadeth us with benefits yeah. according to verse 19. Uh, God can do it now. Amen. Amen. And so God, that prayer tells us that David believed that God was able and you and I should believe that God is able. And in the past that we see that walk down memory's lane that David does in this passage tells us not only did David believe that God was able, but that David has had examples from Israel's past that proved that what he believed about God was the fact Amen. of the matter. Amen. Yeah. And can I remind you, this Bible tells us that the fact of the matter is, is no matter what we're going through, no matter how gloomy it gets, no matter how discouraging it gets, God is a God of power. Amen. God can put it down. God can scatter our enemies. Amen. God can do whatever God wants to do. And in the midst of you and I can claim the promise where, where, where the word of God said that I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. We don't have to wonder about what, what God will provide for his children. Amen. And I want to notice one more thought before we move on from this past that is revealed. And that is in verse number 15 through verse number 17. And uh, I'll be honest with you, these verses here are probably not going to be the ones that's going to uh, not, not going to be the ones that set at the forefront of your mind. It's not going to be the ones that you probably commit to memory. It's not going to be your memory verse of the week. Uh, but it does give us some idea of something else that David wants us to know about the past of the nation of Israel that David uh, discovered about the Lord. Amen. Notice what the Bible said in verse number fifteen. The Bible said, "The hill of God." is as the hill of Bashan, and high hill as the high hill of Bashan. Verse 16, why leap ye, ye high hills? Notice the emphasis that he's placing. He says the hill of God is as the hill of Bashan. The Bible says that in uh, high hill as the hill of Bashan. So the hill of God uh, is being defined in the latter part of verse number 15 
as a high heel. And the, the, the heels of Bashan also, if, if the heel of God is as the heel of Bashan and the heel of God is a high heel, then that means that the heels of Bashan are also a high heel. High heels, you see that. He asked the question in verse uh, 16, why leap ye, ye high heels? He wants us to understand the height, the, the, the magnitude of the height of these heels. And I'm going somewhere with this. I want you to see what he's saying here. Verse 16, this is the heel which God desires to dwell. And that lets me know it doesn't matter how high a mountain is. It doesn't matter how high uh, these hills are. God, if God wants to dwell there, God can. Amen. There's nothing too high for him. Now, keep that in mind as we read the rest of verse 16 and 17. Notice what the Bible says. Yea, the Lord will dwell in it forever. There's nothing too high for him to get to, and there's no place too high to where God cannot stay. Amen. You and I, there's some places that are too high for you and I to go. Amen. I've never set my feet on the moon. I've never set my feet on uh, any place outside of our universe. Amen. I've never set my feet on the summit of a great mountain. Amen. And if I did, uh, you and I know our human bodies can only take so much at great heights. Amen. But God is not that way. God in this passage is being described to us as a God that is impervious uh, to things that you and I should worry about. Amen. And uh, verse number 17, notice this, and uh, I'll deal with this more in a minute. Notice what he's saying. The chariots of God uh, are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. Notice what he says in verse number 18. Notice what he says. The Bible said, thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. I mentioned verse 18 prophetically uh, earlier in the message. Verse number 18, thou hast ascended upon high points as to Acts chapter number one and the ascension of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Verse 16 and 17, he's talking about the heights of these mountains. Verse number 18, he says that God not only can get to the tops of the mountains, but God can leave this world and go to his holy habitation in heaven if he chooses to do so. You say, preacher, what is that talking about? Uh, he's talking about height. He's talking about distance. He's talking about uh, how uh, he can do things that we cannot do. He said, preacher, what do you see in this? Uh, I see with these hills, with these mountains, with the heights of it, with his ability to ascend into heaven, with his ability. The Bible said in verse 17 that he is among the angels. Amen. In all of this, I see the Lord's preeminence over man. Amen. Amen. Yeah, this past that is revealed, yes, it is a past of power. Yes, it is a past of provision, but also it is a past of preeminence. As we look through this passage, we find out that our God is not only a God that has enough power to uh, defeat our enemies, has enough provision to provide for us in the battle, but yet God is a God that is preeminent over everything in this world and out of this world. Amen. The Bible says, and I thought verse 17 was so interesting. The Bible says the chariots of God are 20,000. Then he says what these chariots are, 
He said, even thousands of angels. And then it goes on to describe that. It says, the Lord is among them. You say, you know, it's just talking about angels here. You know, I'll be honest with you. Uh, as I study the Bible and I study about angels and what the Bible has to say about angels, I know angels are not, I know angels are uh, not God. I know we don't worship them. I know John was uh, in the book of Revelation was uh, scolded for bowing down before them. I understand that uh, they're not God, but I'll say this, angels are more than I am. Yes, angels, if you're a human being, are more than you are. They're more powerful than I am. They're more powerful than you are. And the Bible says that the chariots that are made up of thousands of angels belong to God. Notice what the Bible says. You don't have to turn here, but I'll read it to you this evening. Remember what the Bible said over in Hebrews chapter number one. The Bible says, being made, it's speaking about the Lord Jesus, being made so much better than the angels. Hebrews chapter one, verse four. As he by inheritance has obtained a more excellent name than they. Notice what verse five says. He asked this question, for unto which of the angels said he at any time, said God to the angel, and he's proving how Jesus is better than the angels, amen. amen. To whom did God say uh, to any of the angels, thou art my son this day? Have I begotten thee? And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be uh, to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the firstborn into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. Verse uh, number uh, seven, the Bible says, and of the angels he saith, uh, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Uh, but unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever, uh, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness uh, is the scepter of my kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness, notice this, above thy fellows. And we can continue reading on to verse number 14 to the end of that chapter. But the point of the matter is, is that the Lord is higher than the angels. And we know how the angels have been used of God throughout the Bible. How deadly these legions of angels could have been. And no doubt many of those being described here. He mentions 20,000. One leaders, one legion is between three uh, to, uh, one, one legion is between three to six thousand, amen. Several legions of angels here and the Bible said that God could send any of them at any time during the life of his son. God can send any of them to execute his will at any time. What this verse is saying is is that we have a God that's more powerful than them. We have a God that is above them. We have a God that they do his bidding. They minister for him. Verse 14 of Hebrews 1 says that they are the ministers of God. Uh, amen. That they do the ministry. They do the service of God. The past of the nation of Israel that David is mentioning here reminds us about the preeminence of our God. Amen. There is nothing that should take his place. Right. There is no one that you should trust in more. There is nothing that you should trust in more. God is above this, friend. Let me remind you that in all of this situation with the coronavirus, with anything else that may come, 
to our nation or to the world. We have a God that sits up on high and he's there today and he looks down low and he sees the affairs of men and he is outside of the reach of anything that we experience in this world. If he's above the angels and he can command them, then he can handle anything else that I'm going through. The prayer that is uh, requested points us to the enemy that we have to face and how God is a God that defeats our enemy. The past that is revealed reminds us of the great power of our God able to scatter our enemies and set them aflee and conquer anything that needs to be conquered. He can provide for us through it all when we're worried about it. God is a God of provision and God is above everything that could ever, ever bother you. You and I. Amen. We're talking about a, a Christian's look at this situation that we're dealing with. I would say that is a perspective that every Christian must have during this time. Amen. Don't look at the situation, but look at our Savior. Look at our Sovereign. Amen. Amen. And realize that He's in control of it all. Amen. Amen. This did not, the God did not, this did not slip God's mind. This was not a blip on God's radar that He somehow forgot. He knows all about it, and He knows what He's working, and He knows what He wants to do. Amen. Let me give you the third thought this evening. And this is the last one for the message. Amen. Number one, we see in verse one through three, the prayer uh, that is uh, requested. And then in verse number seven through verse number 18, uh, we, see, uh, we, we see the past that is revealed. Number three, let me give you this one this evening. We see the praise that is rendered. The praise that is rendered. I want us to see this this evening. I want us to notice these thoughts this evening and uh, see what the Bible says about this praise. And I'll be honest with you, I know uh, that we went from verse 1 through 3 and we skipped a few verses and then we started in verse 7 and went to verse 18 and so we skipped some in the middle and we skipped some at the end. But I, I did that for a reason. I wanted us to see this, this the, 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 the logical train of thought that we find. He begins in verse number 3. Notice in verse number 3. This is part of his prayer uh, but I want us to see the praise. Now, in, in his prayer, while David is asking for God to deliver them from their enemies, he also makes a request about how the children of God, and he, himself included, uh, need to respond even when they're facing an enemy. Notice this. He's asking for prayer to help them praise God even before he sees the, the, uh, the answer to his prayer. I believe that God expects us to, to pray, yes, but I believe God expects us when we pray to get up of off, off our knees and to praise him even before we've seen the prayer answer because we know that he is God, God that will answer our prayers. Amen. Amen. Yeah, my pastor always told us, he said that he was taught years ago, after you pray, get up off of your knees as if a prayer has already been answered. Amen. Before you ever see the answer, Brother Tommy. That's good. Get up off of your knees as if the prayer Amen. has already been answered. Notice what he says, verse Amen. 3. Amen. He said, but let the righteous be glad. Amen. Let them rejoice before God. 
Now, I could probably do another series of messages just on the before God. There's much that is implied here. And really, if you were to study this verse and all of the times it talks about praising before God, I believe it gives us uh, an insight into the possible event in which this psalm was given. I, and I, I, could, I could preach on that, but I'm not going to take the time uh, to do that. Amen. But in both passages, 2 Samuel, where I believe this, the instance, the, the, uh, the historical event in which inspired this psalm, that, that, that passage as well talks about David praising before God, worshiping before God in front of God's eyes. But he says, let the righteous be glad. Amen. Now, let me ask you this. When was the last time that you found yourself during all of this time, during this uh, situation with the coronavirus, when you watched the news, when you heard what's said, when you talked about it, and I know everybody in here has talked about it, and when you talked about it with somebody, when you heard what was being said, when the news was being passed, when you saw the situation of the world, and you looked at it and you were glad. The Bible said, let the righteous be glad. Even when the enemy is coming their way, even when they're at the point where they have to pray and ask God to help them see their enemy be defeated and their enemy be shattered, when was the last time the enemy is coming at us to destroy us and you and I are glad about it? He said, let the righteous be glad. He said, let them rejoice. Notice these words. I believe they're huge words in our text. Before God. Yeah. Not just in God, not just because of God, but you rejoice before God. Yeah. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Don't just rejoice, but exceedingly rejoice. Mm -hmm. Look at verse number four. He says, sing praises unto God. Sing praises to his name. Extol him, meaning lift his name up as high as you can get it. Magnify his name. Extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Jah, and rejoice. Notice these next two words, before him. Amen. You say, preacher, what does that say? And I'll put it in layman's terms for you. It means let God see you praising him. When, when God looks down at you, even in the midst of this pandemic, even in the midst of this situation that we're living in, let God see you praising him. It doesn't look good out there. It certainly doesn't sound good on the news. But amen, when was the last time that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ had to have the situation on the world stage looking good before we found a reason to praise God? When was the last time the news media had to sound good and favorable to us before we found a reason to praise God. You don't need a reason to praise God out in the world. You don't need a reason to praise God on your television set or in the news media. Friend, you've already got a reason to praise God because of who He is and because when you call out to Him, there's a God in heaven that saved you by His grace and because He saved you, He knows He's hearing you and if He chooses to, God can change the whole situation around. Yes, amen. If you are saved by the grace Woo! of God, you know you have Him, and that's all the reason we need to praise Him. Amen. Can I tell you this this evening? I want God to see me praise Him yeah. during this situation. Do you? Does God has God seen you praise Him yet in this situation? Let me remind you. 
that I believe it is this aspect of our psalm that perhaps shows me the difference between how David handled his enemies as opposed to how many of us are handling this invisible enemy we call the coronavirus. I believe this is a major difference. Say, preacher, what are you talking about? In this psalm, we do not find David panicking. In this psalm, we do not find David's life in a state of pandemonium. In this psalm, we do not find that his emotions are plummeting him into a depression, but rather we find him praising God. Amen. He's not, listen to this, he's not praising God because his need was not serious. You know, it's easy to praise God when uh, whether God comes through or not, it's not really going to change your life a whole lot. You know, I, I heard somebody, it was, it was a comedian. He was making a joke, and uh, like comedians do, amen. And uh, I've never met a comedian that does plumbing, amen. They usually tell jokes, amen. But I was listening, I was listening to a comedian, a clean comedian, and uh, he was making a joke, and I, I, I can't really remember the context of the joke, but he was talking about uh, a situation, and uh, he, was, he was making, making a joke about the fact that uh, how how things are so much different when the situation happens to us or when it happens to other people. You know, we're not worried about it. We can laugh about it because we don't know them people anyway. This happens to so-and-so or, you know, whoever. Uh, well, I don't know them, so it doesn't really matter to me. And I'll say this. I think, you know, that's true. I believe there's truth in what he was saying. Uh, but I believe the church of the Lord Jesus Christ should be, uh, should be some that whether it happens to folks we know or not, we should be burdened and concerned about. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. But, but, you know, I, I, think, I, think about, I think about, you know, these situations where if it happens to somebody else, it doesn't bother us too much. Or if it's something, you know, if it's, you know, you know I, I've never stressed out a whole lot about a financial situation where I knew that I had the money to cover it. Well, I don't want to have to pay for it, but if I have to, it's really no, it's really no skin off my nose. You know, it, it's one thing for you to praise God when the situation ended up turning out your way and it was something you prayed about, but uh, you know it wouldn't really change your life too much if it went the other way. And when God meets a need, well, you praise him for it, amen. Uh, but, but I'll say this, when the situation is not serious, it's really easy to praise the Lord. Yes, sir. Let me say this, when was the last time you found yourself praising the Lord when the, when the situation was serious and you did not know how it was yeah. going to go? You didn't know whether it was going to go your way or whether it was going to go another way. Right. You didn't know if you you didn't know if you were going to get sick or if you didn't you, you didn't know that you or you knew that you uh, you were not going to get sick or you were going to get sick. If you knew that you were vulnerable or that you're not vulnerable, because with this, I think part of the reason for uh, some of the fear that has come in this situation is that there's some folks that they say, well, uh, if I get it, I, I, I want nothing, nothing will happen to me. I'll be fine. I'll be able to fight it off, no problem. And those are the ones that have spent weeks of their life on a ventilator. Yeah. Strong. And then you have some folks that are weak and, and older and very susceptible. And you find those folks not having very many symptoms and they're doing fine. I think one of the I think that the area of the unpredictable nature of what we're dealing with has caused the most fear. 
You know, we, we know what to expect from many other things. We've never heard of a coronavirus before. Right. We've heard of influenza before, and we kind of know how to deal with that. We've heard of the common cold before, and we know how to deal with that. We've heard of, of many other diseases, but this, has, as, far as, as far as the national coverage of it, has been pretty new to us, and anything that is new to us is something that can be very scary. If it is something that you know what's going to happen or you know that it's not serious, it's easy to praise God. But when you don't know and it is serious, it, it, sometimes that, that somberness to the situation, that fear comes in. And if we're not careful, fear will rob us of our praise and our worship to our right. God. Here we find David not in a situation where uh, this uh, what he's dealing with is not serious, but what he's dealing with is very serious, but yet it did not rob him of his praise. You say, preacher, how was he able in a very serious situation? His enemies are coming to get him. The enemies of God are, are coming that direction, and David wants to be uh, delivered from that. I'd say that's pretty serious, wouldn't you? Yes, sir. How, in a situation that serious, could David find reason to praise? It wasn't because the need was not serious, but it was because his God was still sovereign. His God was in control. Yeah. He was so confident in the ability of God. Notice this, that he spent three verses in our text praying and 32 verses in our text praising God. You know, when we talked about that walk down memory's lane, that past of the nation of Israel, you know why David was mentioning those specific scenarios? He was giving God praise for it. He was worshiping God for what he had already done. He spent, and, and you'll find if you study the Psalms, you'll find out that David, in particular, as the psalmist, when David wrote a psalm, you will find him in very difficult situations. He, he will begin by praying, and he'll pray in earnest uh, need and desire, and he'll be begging God, and he will be telling the Lord the seriousness of, the seriousness of his needs. But it's interesting when you study the psalms penned by David that it doesn't seem but just five or ten verses in or just a handful of verses in and it's almost like David is praying and he's asking the Lord and then as he's praying and he's laying out a situation before God and as he's laying out the condition of his soul and the condition of his the situation of his worry and his heart's desire before the Lord it seems like somewhere in the middle of letting his petition be known that he remembers who his God is and he remembers that his God's still on the throne and he remembers that he's still sovereign. And then he will cut his prayer request short. And then he'll spend the rest of his psalm praising the Lord. Amen. Thanking God for what his God can do. And we see this in this psalm. A psalm of 35 verses. And you have three verses that are prayer requests. And then 32 verses that are praise reports. I thank God for that. Amen. Let me tell you this. If we're not mindful of our own spiritual condition during this time. We will be quick to spending, we will be quick to turn around and spend only a few moments praising God. Yes, sir. And we will spend the rest of our time praying and not praying in the sense of asking God uh, for revival and asking God for help and things of that nature, but repeating the same faithless prayer 
over and over and over and over again. Let me tell you this. If, if you are a Christian at praise, you can know that God heard you the first time you prayed and you can have faith that God can come through. You don't constantly have to continue the same request over and over and over again. Now let me back up and say this. That does not mean that this, this preacher does not believe in persistent praying. I do believe the Bible says we are to ask, we're to seek, and we are to knock. Knock is an act of persistence. The Bible tells us that we are to be, we are to be like that man that out of his importunity called upon the Lord with persistence. But I'll say this, you ought to pray with persistence because that's what God wants you to do and that's what you need to do, praying through until God gives you an answer. But every time you pray, you ought to pray with faith. Don't repeat your prayer request because you don't believe that God can. You repeat your prayer and you bring it before God knowing that he can. And because he can, you're doing what he told you to do and bring it before him and knock it on heaven's door and asking the God of heaven to open up the windows of heaven and pour out these ch our churches and our nation a blessing that we uh, cannot contain. Amen. Amen. So let me ask you this. How much time have you spent praising God throughout this time of the coronavirus? How much time have you spent praising God? How much time have you spent giving him glory and thanking him for what he's doing? You say, you say, preacher, what is there to praise him about? Let me give you a couple of thoughts real quickly and I'll be done this evening. Number one, we can praise God because of his person. Amen. Notice what the Bible says. Look at verse number one again with me. Notice the Bible says we're two words in and we've already found a reason to praise God. Let God arise. How, why can you praise God? Because of who he is. You praise him because of his person. You praise him because he's God. When you, when, when you have a moment at home, let me ask you to do this. I'm not going to ask you to do it now and I certainly am not going to do it tonight. Amen. Don't have the time to do it. But when you have a moment at home, you take a few minutes and you walk yourself through these 35 verses of this song and you notice in your heart, in your study, you pay attention to how many times God is directly referenced in Psalm 68. Did you notice as we read how many times we use the name God, Lord, my God, my King, my Lord, our Lord, over and over again, he, he, he mentions the name God. And I'll say this as well. This psalm is also very interesting. Uh, it, is, it, is, it is the only psalm that I know of in the entire Psalter. And all, uh, all of the psalms, this large book of the Bible, out of all of the psalms to where in the psalm, if you look at it in the Hebrew language, not only is God and Lord referred to, but our God is referred to in this psalm by six. Hebrew names for God. I don't have the time to deal with them. I, 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 thought, I thought about doing it, but I'm not going to take the time to do it. I might do a devotion or something on sometime. But it, it, it's interesting to study this. He's referred to as El Shaddai in here. He's referred to just by the name El in here. He's, prefer, he's referred to as Elohim in the majority of instances of God. He's referred to as Adonai. He's referred to as Jehovah. He's referred to as Jah, which is a contraction, a shortened version of the word of Jehovah. Over and over again, he's referred to by Hebrew names that the Jews would use. And when they would read this, 
They would know the, the, the definition of those words and know why he's being called what he's being called. Wonderful study to look at sometime. But it's pointing us to God, pointing us to his person, pointing us to his ability. Now notice verse number five. His person is one of restoration. His person is is one of restoration. Those are the Bible said. I'm, I'm really going to state these and move on. I want to be done with this tonight. Verse five. The Bible said that God is a father of the fatherless right. and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. When I studied this, that passage stuck out to me. I don't know how it sticks out to you, but when I prayed and asked God to show me something that would allow me to give you something during this coronavirus time, I could not help to think about the father of the fatherless and how that talks about an orphan there. You know, most, it talks about an orphan, and I know you can, you can be without a father as, as an adult. I understand that. Uh, but I couldn't help but think about well, this one, all of these things first came out about who would be susceptible to this invisible enemy of the coronavirus. Children was one of the first ones mentioned. Someone that has two boys of my own, I wanted to, I want to make sure they're safe. And I saw this, and God began to speak to my heart about how He is a God even that will protect and minister to the children. I thought about where he talked about he's a judge of the widows. The other group that they began to originally talk about were susceptible to this virus with the aged. And here he is, he is a he is one that is concerned about the children. He's one that's concerned about the aged, even from his holy habitation. Even in heaven, he's concerned about what's going on with them. The father of the fatherless means that they had lost a father, but because he is a father of the fatherless, God says, now you have one. You know, there's plenty of orphans in this world. It's not the message. Plenty of people who have lost moms and dads. Plenty of adults that have lost moms and dads by way of death. You may wonder, you may say, I don't know how I'm going to get on without dad. I don't know how. And there's times that I desire my dad, even me. I've lost both of my parents. And I, there's days that I would love to be able to call my dad up and share something with him and talk to him about something. And I'm glad to know that when we don't have father or mother, thank God, God can be a father to those that don't have one. You know, the word judge there, where the Bible said that God would be a judge of the widows, it means that he would be an advocate for the widows. He would be one that stood for them and judged them and, and helped them and was on their side. He'd be a good judge and an advocate for them. And when you have a widow, you've lost, uh, you've lost, you, they have lost someone that is to help them and stand with them. They've no doubt lost a spouse, lost a provider. And God said, when you need help, I'll be one that will be your advocate. When you need help, I'll be the one that comes alongside of you and help you. Amen. You are not helped amen. He is a God that restores what is lost and there may be some things that we lose during this time. There may be some, there'll be some things about our natural way of life that we may lose, but can I remind you we can praise God, God of restoration. There's nothing that we'll lose that God can't bring back in much more, amen. His person is one of restoration. But then I wanted to remind us of this this evening. His person is one of reestablishing Look at verse number six. Verse number six is the verse that stuck out to me first in this passage. And when I ran through this, verse six got in my soul. The Bible said, God setteth the solitary in families. He 
bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. You said, preacher, what is this talking about? Verse five tells us that we can rejoice in his person being one of restoration. But verse six tells us that we can rejoice in his person being one of reestablishing. Notice what the Bible says here in, in verse number six. The Bible said that God said that he's the one that positions the solitary, the alone, the lonely, those that are uh, by themselves. And the Bible says he puts them in families. Here, the context is that God is declaring himself to be the author of the family unit. In the book of Genesis, the Bible tells us that he created the family unit in Genesis. He is the reason for their creation, and God is one who can take a single person and bring them with a spouse and provide them with children and make their family complete. It is literally an ode to even more of the personal provisions that God has at his disposal. But, but as I began to look at this verse, God began to speak to my heart about what he's doing in our families. You say, what does a Christian's look at the coronavirus is that when you get home and you're, and I, I use this, this term loosely, you're stuck at home with your families. Don't look at it. I, I'm, t I'm sick and tired. I'll be honest with you. My pastor told me I was too young to say I'm sick and tired, but I am. I'm sick and tired sometimes. Amen. Go ahead. <laughs> My pastor told me not to say that when I preached out before I passed it. Y'all voted me and I can say it. Amen. But anyway, I, I'm, I'm sick and tired, and I know you are too, of hearing people complain about how they have to spend so much time with their families during the situation. I mean, I'm just being, being around husbands and saying, well, I'm going to find something to do. I'm going to, I guess I'm going to repaint the house. I guess I'm going to do this because I'm going to end up killing somebody being inside. And I know that in China, after all of this, after all the coronavirus stuff went on in China, their divorce rate skyrocketed. And it, it very well may be the same thing here in the United States of America. But I'll say this, even though I know statistically that divorce rates in the church are virtually identical, if not more than the divorce rates out in the world, and that's a sad testimony to our families and, right. and to the family units in the, in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Amen. If ours are identical to the world, what is that saying about us? Right. Shame on us. I, I, I understand that that is, that is the situation in the world. But let me tell you, when it comes to the church, you ought to realize that God put your family together, that God ordained your family, Amen. that husband God brought you with that wife. And I'll say this, I know for a fact that God divinely, sovereignly, and supernaturally put me and my bride together. And amen, that's why even, even, when, even when a disagreement happens, amen, I'm not going anywhere, she's not going anywhere. God put us together, amen. amen. I've got a verse on it, God's letting me know. And God put us together, and I've already told her, I believe he's told you the same thing. Yeah, if she leaves, I'm going with her. That's right. Amen. Amen. That's, right. Amen. that's good. Amen. That's, that's the way it's going to happen. You know why? God Amen. put that in me. Amen. Amen. I want to go on public record and say I'm enjoying spending time with my family. Amen. 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 I love yeah. being with my family. And you need to remember as a child of God, not only did God supernaturally and divinely put you together, and even if you were 
around the world and you got married out of the will of God, God put it in his book, amen, uh, that he loves marriage. He's not for divorce. God hates the putting away. The moment you said I do, it became the will of God. Amen. Right. Amen. Amen. So therefore, it is God's will for you to be married to who you're married to. And if that's the case, that means that what God's doing right now, I believe with all my heart that God is trying to reestablish something in the home. You say, why would God bring this virus to us? It's because our dads spend more time at work than they spend in the home. They spend more time on their job trying to earn a living for their family than they do with their children. And all of, all of that, we know we've got to earn a living. We know we've got to. There's many moms are outside of the home. And as a nation, and even in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, most of our babies are being raised by Sunday school teachers. They're being raised by daycare workers. They're being raised by grandparents and, and I know the world we live in you've got to have money and you've got to make a living but when God ceases your job or when God allows your hours to be cut back because of this virus don't worry child of God God's going to meet your need and he may have cut your hours at work so you could go home and love on your spouse and spend time with your, your children and be the parents that God wanted you to be because your marriage might have been ready to fall on the rocks and might have been ready to bust up. You don't know what the devil had in mind for your family, but God wanted your family to be strong and he took those people that were solitary. They were out by themselves on the job and he put them together and he set them, placed them divinely in a situation where they're with the families. Amen. God wants your family to be strong. I've said it before in this pulpit, and I say it tonight without hesitation or reservation. So goes the family, so goes the church. Yes, God needs, uh, uh, we need the families of Beacon Baptist Church to be strong. Right. If Beacon Baptist Church is to be strong. Yes. So goes the family. You can write this in the margin of your Bible. It's scriptural. So goes the family. So goes the church. So goes the church. So goes the world. That's right. You know why the United States of America is in the debacle of sin? It's sin. It's because the churches have stopped preaching. That's right. The churches have stopped yeah. evangelizing. The churches have stopped being churches, and we started being what every governor, for the most part, and I thank God for our governor. But what a lot of the a lot of the governors around this nation are calling the church. They're calling social gatherings. That's right. That's right. When the church ceased to be the house of God, ceased to be the body of Christ, ceased to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and started being a social gathering, we've lost our nation. That's right. There used to be a day, and I know I'm preaching long, but I'm preaching. Amen. Amen. Let me say this. There used to be a day in our nation where our politicians trembled in fear about the policies that they enacted with their votes because they were afraid that the preachers of the United States of America would go in their pulpits the very next Sunday with a message from the Word of God about the sin that they were engaged in and they were promoting on this nation and they would stand in their pulpits with their churches filled with people and they would set their pulpits ablaze with the gun barrel straight preaching of the Word of God. And so they would change their policies. They would amend what they wanted to do. They would cower their unrighteousness to the righteousness of God's church because God's church changed the policy 
but they charted the course for the nation. When this pulpit stopped being a place of preaching and started being a place of psychology, stopped being a place of declaring the word of God and started being a place where we declare the social cues of our day. We stopped being the church. We stopped being alive. We stopped coursing. Uh, we stopped uh, charting the course of our nation right. and we faded into the obscurity into the background and the shadows of what's going on in our nation and now we look around us and we say we don't have a clue what's going on. We've lost our influence. That's right. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ needs to be strong. And if that's going to take place, our families need to be strong. He's the one that sets the solitary in families. He bringeth out those that are bound with, with chains. I, I, I'm not going to get to the outline. Miss Wanda's watching. I gave her my outline. She can put it online if she wants to. But what is God doing with this coronavirus? Not only is he reminding us who he is and how strong he is. Not only is he reminding us that he can provide for us, not only is he telling us that he's above it all, but he's telling us that he wants our families to be established and he's done all of this because he cares about your family. Also, the next phrase, he said, he brings out those that are bound with chains. I believe, he's, I believe he can apply that to salvation. What does God want to do in the coronavirus situation? I believe God wants to do in this situation what he wants to do every day of the week, every week of the month, every month of the year, every year that we'll ever enter into, and that saves souls. Yes. Amen. There's more people looking for truth today than there ever have been. Right. There's more people looking for answers right. than they ever have been. Sure. You know what? You know what? The, you know where they are right now, currently without Jesus Christ. They're bound in the chains of sin. That's right. The Bible said Christ, that God is one with His person. Not only does He set the solitary in families, but He uh, He brings forth uh, those that are bound out of their chains. I'll say this: He wants to rescue. The Bible said He also. The Bible says, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Those that are rebellious, he's going to make sure the land they're living in is dry, desolate. Out, dry land speaks of without blessings, depleted of blessings. That's right. There's a whole lot of things that we've previously enjoyed that God's not letting us enjoy right now. Yes, sir. There's a whole lot of ease, the life that we've had that God's not letting us enjoy right now. You say, preacher, why would God do that? Because sin is a reproach to any people. You'll never can. I know that God can be. I believe God's doing a lot of things with this. I believe God wants to send revival to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ through this. I believe God wants to give us a spiritual awakening, awakening through this. I believe He wants us to see a value on the house of God more than He ever has before. I believe God wants the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to come back into the house of God when we can, stronger, with more zeal. And you know, we, we talk about, well, we can't wait for things to get back to normal. Can I just say this this evening? I don't ever want anything to get back to normal. Mm -hmm. Normal is killing us. Yes, normal is destroying our churches. Good. Normal is destroying the possibility and the chance that the lost world has of seeing believers on fire for God. We're used to normal. God's shaking up our normal that we can be abnormal again. Right. You know, the Bible tells us that God wants to God wants to do above and beyond that we ask or think. 
God doesn't want normal. God wants beyond the normal. So God's providing some things for us. God's giving us some opportunities with this. I could go on, but let me just mention one more thing and I'll be done. Look at verse 24. The Bible said, they have seen thy goings, O God, even the goings of my God, my King. Notice this, in the sanctuary. Isn't that interesting? Let me tell you what God's doing with this coronavirus. Not only is he rescuing, he's rescuing those whose chains need to, to be broken. He's chastising some with barrenness. He's, he's taking those that dry land and he's trying to use the depleted blessings to crack the cold heart of the rebellious. He's given us reassurance, verse 11. He's given us the word, a voice of triumph, reminding us that he is the one that's already received the blessings. He, verse 19, is giving us repeated and returning blessings daily. He loads us with benefits. He is giving us a reprieve in verse number 20. He is the one that unto him belong the issues or the outgoings, the being removed from death. He's the only one that can prevent death. But we see he is, we rejoice in his person, we rejoice in his providing. But then verse 24, we can rejoice, we can praise the Lord in his procession. Verse 24, he said, I've seen thy goings, O God. I've seen, excuse me, they have seen. Verse 23 says that the they speaking about is the enemies of God. Here's what they're saying. Y'all stay with me, I'm done after this verse. I have seen, or they have seen thy goings, O God. Thy goings, speaking about the procession in which the ark of God would go forth and the, representing the presence of God before his people. God is out front. Here's what, here's what this, this is how it applies to us. You want a Christian's look at the coronavirus? What is God doing in all of this? God is going to the forefront. God is processing out from the shadows of where the church is left in. Instead of being a byword in our nation, anybody here that today saw what our president said just the other day in a speech about how there's nothing that God cannot do? God's getting the forefront. Our president is asking pastors to pray for our nation. Yeah. I, I spoke to one of our missionaries and you, you know the missionary I'm talking about, the one that has... Uh, in close ties with the White House. I was on a conference call the other day and he said the president and the vice president and their team, even the coronavirus task force, they, they stressed in that conference call their understanding how America needs its pastors and its churches. Amen. And in that conference call, our president and leaders asked for pastors to pray for America. God's getting put on the forefront. This administration is putting God on the forefront. It's putting the church of the Lord Jesus Christ on the forefront. And here's, what, here's what's going on. When we have these broadcasts and the churches are forced to uh, use means like this, you say, preacher, why did you go to live stream? I went to live stream because I believe God led me to do that to protect our people. But I believe God led a lot of pastors to do that because he wanted God to be on the forefront to where people who would never darken the door of the church would click up on a church's page wanting some help, wanting some answers, wanting to hear something from God, wanting to feel like they can do something about the situation and they'll turn in a church and to a church and they'll see God processing 
forth. And notice what the Bible says, that the, that the enemies of God have seen his goings, his working, his moving in the sanctuary. Some people who would never, ever have seen what's going on in the church houses are looking through camera lens. Or, or, or I've even, I've even, I have pastors on my Facebook page, for people I'm friends with, and they've actually shared, and I know this is probably not something that the CDC would like to hear, but in their small groups of people that are filming their services and their small groups of, of people that are making the broadcast go on, they've had people that have never attended church, Brother Tommy, come in the doors and have told them the reason why they walked in the doors is because of the coronavirus and they needed help and they knew they could. They needed to go to the house of God and those people had come in and got saved Amen. during this time. Because the world out there, God is making sure that a lost world is seeing what he's doing. Making sure that a lost world has a front row seat to the mighty movings and goings and workings of God Almighty. Amen. Seeing what he's doing in the sanctuary. Amen. So friend, don't let this situation that we're in cause you to be without faith. Don't let this situation cause you to doubt where and, and ask yourself, where is God in this whole situation? Let what we're going through remind you that God is in control and God knows what he's doing. And you and I as believers need to look at what God's doing with faith and see that we have a God that's in control, a God that's going to meet our needs. And there is a mighty work of God and a plan and a mission behind why God is doing what he's doing. And I promise you this, dear friend, it will always come in contact with the Great Commission. The heartbeat of God is souls. He wants to see his souls saved, and I believe he wants to see his church revived. And I believe with all of my heart, that's why God is doing everything that he's doing. And I believe this text proves that to us. You don't have to believe me because this is my opinion. Because I'll be honest with you, I'm not much. Y'all have learned from me by now, I'm not much of a joking preacher. I'm not much of a, I, my wife will tell you, I'm not much of a joking man, much less a joking preacher. She tells me all the time, I wish you wouldn't be so serious all the time. I'm, that's not me. But I'll tell you this. I, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not someone that makes games. I'm usually pretty serious. But I'm, I'm telling you this. I, I, I believe with all of my heart that God's working in this. God is doing something. God has planned. And, and, and it's, it's not, not anything we should take lightly. But I believe you and I should have a Christian's look about this thing. And we need to know when we look at what God's doing, God has a plan. God's in control. And you and I, while we can't, I'll quote Charles Spurgeon as I close tonight. We may not be able to trace his hand. I cannot tell you, Miss Caldwell, why God's doing what he's doing. I can't tell you that. I can't tell you why that God brought this and you hadn't been able to hug all the people you want to hug or kiss all the people you want to kiss. Amen. I don't think she's really worried about getting the coronavirus. I think she's wondering, worried about when she's going to get to hug her babies next and grandbabies and all of that. Amen. I'm, that's heart wrenching. You have. I want to shake y'all's hand. I want to love on my congregation. I love this church. I, 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 I love this church. And I, I'm not a laughing man, but I am a loving man. And I love our church. I weep over this church. I pray for this church. 
I, I, I want to do anything for them. If I can do anything for any of you, I hope you all know by now I'll do it. But I'm telling you this. I don't know why God, I can't trace his hand in this. But I'll tell you what I can do. I can trust his heart. Amen. I know that God's doing something. Amen. As a Christian looks at this, David did not, he, he, he didn't know whether, his, whether God was going to hold back his enemies or not, but he knew that God could. And he asked him to. And after he asked him to, he wasn't filled with doubt. He trusted the Lord to answer his prayer and spent 32 verses praising him for it. I think that's what we need to do. Let's get back to praising. Amen. A Christian's look at the coronavirus. Amen. Thank you for your patience. I'm done with that thought this evening. Amen. Every head bowed. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. Oh, hey.